0: November 26th, Kathleen, we've had a raging response over the past two days, right after Kenny announced that he would continue inching towards a pandemic response. And on the 24th, Kenny made the announcement that grades 7 to 12 would continue online as of November 30th. Masks would be mandated in Calgary and Edmonton, of course, two cities that already had mask mandates in place. He also made in- in-home gatherings illegal but stated that bars, restaurants, and casinos will remain open with minor restrictions, such as maximum of six to a table from the same household. Churches and retail spaces will be limited to 25 to 30% of their fire code capacity.
1: I am uh, very excited for the conversation we're about to have with our two guests, both of whom are well-informed, are well-known in the Alberta Ledge social media media, community? Well, we would like to welcome two
0: women who are very familiar with the topic of public health as well. We have Lorian Hardcastle, who is an associate professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Calgary. She's got a joint appointment to the Department of Community Health Sciences in the Cumming School of Medicine, and she has a health law and policy specialization. Welcome, Laurian.
2: <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited to to be here and to talk to you guys about what's been what's been going on over the past uh, few weeks with the management of the of the pandemic.
0: And we also have with us Dr. Jillian Ratty, who is a family physician and clinical lecturer with the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Calgary. Welcome, Jillian. Thanks very much. I'm really excited to be here. Should be fun.
1: I'm I'm just finding it curious that we have only now received um, mandatory measures. are in fact announcement from our government. When when did they bring this in?
2: Well, so this is this is Tuesday. we talked earlier about democracy. This is insane to me that at the press conference um, was it on the twenty fourth yeah. they said it's effective immediately. These new restrictions and they hadn't published the legal order yet, setting them out. That mm-hmm. is contrary to any reasonable constitutional principle that now there are offenses in place for which there are penalties, but you can't know the law and the, the law didn't come out until 24 hours later. It's full of holes. It's not clearly written. There's pieces that people can't know what their, what their, what their obligations are. And that's basic democratic principles, notification of the laws that you're expected to follow. And, and meanwhile, there's restrictions that come into place tomorrow for businesses who that legal order hasn't been published yet either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm looking at this right now and it says, unless otherwise stated the following mandatory restrictions come into effect November 24th and will be in a place for at least three weeks. And yet this just went out moments ago. They just pushed this out and uh, it's two days after the fact. And I've spent a lot of time online since the initial presser and the number of people who do not understand What they're restricted from doing, I've had people DMing me, so uh, can I go visit my son? He lives alone. Well, does he have two cohorts? Well, yeah, but I'm one of his cohorts. But do you have other cohorts? I mean, there's a whole bunch of complexities here that the public at large has no idea how do well, how to The order
2: itself, or? itself isn't clear on some of those points i sent i sent the government a message today saying that well this is what you're saying on twitter but that's not what your legal order says and three or four other lawyers sort of agreed and they didn't seem to care i, I, I there was no reason this was hastily drafted this is not like a disease outbreak appeared in canada yesterday and you need emergency orders this is you've had weeks to ponder should we have more restrictions which more restrictions And there's no reason it's
1: so poorly drafted. And in less confusion is part of
2: the plot, so to
1: speak. I mean, if you throw so much at so many people for for so long without clarification, then no one's going to do anything. And that's my concern at this point. It's so confusing. It's so unclear that how many people are actually going to follow the new restrictions when we don't have a clear path to how to even follow them. But I think the thing is that that is
3: okay for this government. They don't really care. I honestly don't think they care if people follow the restrictions or not. Um, I mean, when you listen to Jason Kenney talk about this, he sort of just throws his hands up and says, well, people aren't really going to follow them anyway. So why would we tell them to? Like, he, he very much says stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I think this also, I think they are trying to use this, as part of, of their overall strategy to sort of disrupt and distract and just push through a bunch of stuff that nobody can actually understand on a broad level, not even just with public health stuff. I mean, when you push our system to the limit this way, this is a great way to undermine public health care without actually making any further cuts. Mm -hmm. As an aside, they did indeed make cuts before they keep saying they didn't, but they did. Oh, they did. Um, But even if you don't make any further cuts, when you just let a pandemic run wild, that's a really great way to undermine trust, to destroy systems, to push out healthcare workers, and to say, oh, look how badly our system did in the middle of a pandemic. Boy, I really think TELUS should take over, don't you? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there are, I think that this is incompetence, but I also think a lot of it's kind of an intentional negligence that is going to have them, uh, it's going to be good good for them uh, in some sense. I think they're trying to find a way to take advantage of it that way.
1: Absolutely. Oh, they, they, they are definitely politically. And no one can convince me that uh, Jason Kenney didn't delay, delay, delay in the hopes that he could force Justin Trudeau to b- declare a national state of emergency again and to interfere in provinces where the conservative premiers aren't doing what they need to do. I think just I think Jason was playing a game of chicken with Trudeau and Trudeau wouldn't take the bait and Kenny was forced to do something on monday or tuesday whatever day it was and because he wasn't prepared and he fully expected that trudeau would pick up the ball and run with it he has no idea what to do now because but they there's, they
0: there's weren't no prepared for it
1: they there's no excuse for that no there isn't but, we but if have, you don't care it's
3: okay and we just seen, actually don't care that makes a whole lot of sense
1: And we've seen this government since the start of this pandemic download the responsibilities onto major city mayors, onto city councils, onto women in general. This government has at every turn since the start of this pandemic walked away from their responsibilities. And again, I don't want to be that woman that just bitches about Jason Kenney nonstop. But this government is failing us. And it appears, in some ways, to be by design. And I'm tired of being collateral damage in Jason Kenney's war with Justin Trudeau. Yeah. And I and
2: think the, the thing about Trudeau is, I mean, obviously, the, the federal government does have power to act under in the Constitution to, to deal with, with um, emergencies and national concerns. but. Logistically, it doesn't make sense. The provinces are the ones that run the healthcare delivery systems. They're the ones that um, have jurisdiction over hospitals and healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And so instead of trying to go Justin Trudeau into doing something, provinces should be taking ownership of this because they manage the healthcare delivery systems. Like provinces shouldn't have let it get to a point that people started begging Trudeau to, to, to do something because this is best managed within the provinces. Apart from the border issues.
1: But you're thinking of this from an intelligible, an intelligent, sensible point of view. If, if Kenny took the measures that he needed to take at this point in time, he alienates his base by sitting back and forcing it on Trudeau, on Nenshi, on Iverson. He gets to say to his base, I told you those leftists would interfere. I told you that Justin Trudeau would find a way to attack, attack oil and gas. it's, it's political strategy. And, you know, I think for them sitting in a boardroom, it all sounds brilliant. But what they're forgetting is that people are dying. People are dying like we've never seen from a pandemic. We've never seen. And it's not the time to be playing chicken with each other. And I, I don't want to see any member of my family or one of my friends end up being a uh, a needless death as a result of an ideological war that neither side was ever going to win in the end.
0: Well, in this this issue as well, you know, it was left too long. That was that was another question that I was going to bring up with Jason Kenny's new restrictions. I mean, they were they were lame. There's a reason that everyone's making fun of it, calling it a mockdown, because it was too little. It's very doubtful that these are going to do anything that will actually have an impact on the amount of spread, because right now we did let it get out of hand. And back when he could have done something, so right around the beginning of November, that's when a lot of people started to become very vocal. I think we were around somewhere around 600 cases or something. It was obviously going up. And people started to become more vocal. You need to do something now. And he waited and he waited and he waited. And then November 12th, 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 13th. Oh, my goodness. uh, Then he came out with, you know, something minor. What was it? A sport, right? Kids sport, not university sport, not professional sport, just just the kids. And okay, so that was something, but A lot of people looked at that at the time and said, this is, this is not what's going to, you know, potentially allow us Christmas. And that's the problem that he has right now is that he can't lock down for two to three weeks like he needs to, because he's reliant on the businesses. The businesses are reliant on what government does right now. And because he did leave it for so long, this is this month. This month and a half is what gets some businesses through the entire year. This is Christmas. He has now put himself in a position where he had to either literally sign the bankruptcies of so many businesses if he shut down, or he's signing the death warrants for so many Albertans. Mm -hmm. And he made a choice none of us are really surprised about that choice kind of saw it coming but he did this to himself his lack of action is what got him to this point where he looked at it and said I can't make that choice I will choose livelihood over lives so if we were in charge
2: <laughs> Wait, if we're gonna be in charge I'm gonna need a time machine <laughs> if we're gonna redo this yeah. machine, I'm gonna need a time machine but let's
1: say we're just taking over from now. Okay. We just have the power. So let's start with, uh, let's come up with three things we would do right now. Let's go four. So Jillian, I'm I'm going to start with you. If you could could enact just one measure right now, what would it be? What do you think is the most important thing to do?
3: A circuit breaker a full lockdown for two to three weeks. At this point, our cases are rising at such a pace that it is quite within the realm of possibility that next week our ICU is just completely blown through the roof and our hospitals are a mess, total mess. So everything they've done is completely inadequate to deal with that real possibility that would be it would be a catastrophe so definitely two to three weeks circuit breaker and i you know the other day i think kenny also made a comment about how the doctor's calling for this you know oh isn't it nice that the the rich doctors who are paid publicly and have a paycheck Mm. can call for the circuit breaker and that is such garbage it really i mean there is no reason that this government can't dig into its own bank account and help people right now and it just infuriates me that they are pitting public sector workers against the rest of the population who's jobless and completely ignoring the fact that they have total power to alleviate the suffering that would be caused from a two to three week circuit breaker
1: And also completely ignoring the fact that Jason Kenney has never worked for a private company in his entire life, has spent his entire life on the public dime, will be getting a lovely pension in, I think he's eligible for it in about three years because he's 52 right now, and they overpay people on the public dime to insult us on Twitter all day long. Lorian, if you could do one thing, one suggestion, what would it be? One measure.
2: I mean, look, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with the circuit breaker, but, but I have to pick something else. So what I'm going to say is that it is inevitable that, I mean, I'm not so committed to Christmas, have Christmas in January. I'll buy everyone's stuff on sale. That's fine with me, but a lot of people don't feel that way. A lot of people are going to do Christmas no matter what. And so I think we absolutely needed to have the kids out of school for two clear weeks before they see Granny and that we need to have restrictions in rural areas so that when people bring their nasty COVID from Calgary out to see grandma in the small towns, they there's at least some protection because people are going to do Christmas no matter what you tell them, yeah. not me. I'll happily buy you sale presents in January, but other people <laughs> will. And 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 we have to account for that. We can't pretend that's not going to happen. And those towns do not have the capacity. First of all, those uh, rural areas often tend to have higher age, ages of, of people to begin with. And they don't have the healthcare capacity to just all of a sudden have, have a bunch of cases of COVID. Well, so we
1: especially have- now when when doctors are leaving, right? That's right.
2: <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't help either. So so I think we can not pretend that's not going to happen. Okay. Dear,
1: dear Dree. <laughs> inside um, joke, inside joke, dear Dree. <laughs>
0: we, like, I, I think building on that, what we need is a provincial plan. And it's not just in place in Calgary. It is in place in all of the towns around. Uh, It doesn't matter where you go. The rules are the same. And I mean, didn't Kenny give a a Facebook Live Tuesday night? And he was saying, you know, there's no point in mandating masks in northern Alberta because they're not going to listen. And you're just like...
1: It's like saying well, there's no but, point in drunk driving laws because people are going to dr- drive drunk anyways
0: right What is that this is what this is, is the excuse that actually drives me because jason kenny and the ucp are law and order candidates they are the law and order party <laughs> they're the ones that are bringing in all the extra policing because there's so much crime they can't do anything about so again you're relying on personal responsibility even though you know for a fact that people will not act responsibly if left to their own devices and you're saying enforcement won't work
2: like mm, it's just so frustrating yeah he's the one who's eroded personal responsibility though i mean if you make laws people either comply because you have enforcement which seems to be something they would like you know law and order people but people will also comply with laws if they respect and trust you. Yeah. So personal responsibility, the same restrictions that we had where they were asking for personal responsibility, under a leader that people actually trusted, there would have been more personal responsibility. It was never going to be perfect. There's always going to need to be enforcement. But people will comply with rules that come from a leader that they trust and respect. So he's the reason we can't have personal responsibility. It's not the bad kids running around that he acts like dad needing to scold us all. It's his fault that people won't won't be personally responsible.
1: I I would say if there was one thing I want from our premier and our government, it is uh, consistency and clarity. I want message consistency. I want message clarity. And I want it from something as simple as the difference between his tone on Twitter as compared to Facebook Facebook is all far right, rhetorical hyperbole, divisiveness because that's where his audience is, and then he comes on to Twitter and it's 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 still rhetoric, it's still uh, definitely far right, but it's watered down for the lefty audience that is Twitter. There's no consistency, and he, as a result of that, he's playing one faction of this province against the other in, instead of uniting us and I want him to stop treating this like it's an ideological war as opposed to a public health war because we're we're literally
0: (laughs) (laughs) why does it I mean she gets to listen you know uh, it never
2: cuts out when she's listening it's right (laughs) back it it was it was a good one he's He's acting like he's campaigning for an election when his job is to manage the pandemic.
1: Yes, and he's but a great campaigner. he doesn't
2: campaigner. care. He yeah. does
1: not care about
3: the <laughs> pandemic. I just truly don't believe he cares. I mean, you watch him talk about the, about the pandemic and he doesn't even come across like he cares. He's, he's The things he seems to care about are that sort of, he gets really riled up and kind of gets flustered if he talks about enforcing laws that yeah. he thinks are... Um, restricting rights and freedoms. And I'm sure Lorian has tons to say about how that's not really a thing, really. Um, but but he doesn't come across as a man who cares at all about the lives of Albertans, not even a little bit. Um, and I mean, I, I, before, before I move from that, I just want to make the point also that there's no data actually driving his decisions. I mean... Like, we have no contact tracing data. We have no idea where the cases are coming from. And yet he keeps saying that targeted measures, targeted measures, targeted yeah. measures. No, they're not targeted. We have no data. And that's so, I mean- It's
1: so important- Of course what this you, doesn't work. What you just said, Jillian, is so important. We don't know because we don't have the data. We don't have the data because of this government's failings. And they are using that lack of data as evidence for measures that are ineffective. It's this vicious cycle. It's a circle, right? No data, no evidence. Here's some measures, no evidence to back up why they're necessary. No trust in the government as a result. That's the mess Albertans are in. So when this government lashes back at us, like we're the problem, like we are somehow failing them. And that's what really upsets me about Kenny's attitude right now. It's he's so disappointed. We have failed him. No, pal, you're the premier. You are failing us.
2: Well, like, he's, he's acting like nothing, nothing's, nothing's amiss, right? I'm going to push through the legislation, I promise. Promises made, promises kept. You know, it, like your only job in a pandemic Is to manage that pandemic it's not to pander to voters in hopes of 2023 it's not to introduce your 40 pieces of legislation, your only job in a pandemic is to manage the pandemic, you should be the one on TV every day that we see that's that's there that's answering questions that's talking. He's abdicated responsibility and pushed it off onto anybody else he can possibly push it off onto and was nowhere to be found for about nine days. Like people thought he had died from COVID or was in the US getting treatment or whatever because he was gone, like gone. I thought he was, was actually- in
1: London personally, but.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking
0: the same thing. Like we didn't hear anything from him. Like, oh yeah, like he is isolating from COVID. Did he test negative? And then he looked- you know, when people were posting those screenshots of, of him at the events on the weekend, and he looked fine. But then he did the Facebook Live thing on Tuesday night, and he doesn't look fine. He, no, he's no, coughing he, all over the place. He looks he ill.
1: <laughs> but I will say this. Like, you know, it's so weird. I've become the person in this podcast who's always defending Kenny in the most <laughs> bizarre ways. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this there I I don't doubt he's exhausted. Um well, okay. We never heard that he tested positive cuz like we got to be factual here. We know he went into isolation because a a contact had And I did see something that said that he tested negative. He did receive
0: right. but that was early on. We haven't seen anything since. Yeah. But he's back at work. Yeah. So
1: my nice. I've I've no doubt he's exhausted and that could lend to I, that's not Kenny who we saw there with his loosened tie and coughing and looking red and sweaty and his hair must. I, I've been following Jason Kenny for a lot of years. Yeah. And that is not Kenny. And I've no doubt he is he is he's feeling the weight of his job, especially. This that's because last he's week. not doing his job exactly yeah. he's put himself in this situation and everyone else is paying the price for it and yeah. it, it's hard to have sympathy sympathy for that I mean I'll, I'll be a generous person and say I wouldn't want to be the premier right now but damn it I didn't run for the job either so <laughs> I
3: think I a lot of people would be, be more prone to have more sympathy if he showed any ability to have that for anybody else at any yeah. point, really. I mean, I don't have sympathy for him at all. And I yeah. don't I don't think he really cared about the pandemic until it started to be a problem for him, which was very yeah. recently once he actually realized that hospitals might actually be overrun. And, you know, oh, actually yeah, this might have gone pandemic. too far now. I wanted to like push them right to the max, but not go overboard. And oh my God, we might actually go overboard and that could be a big problem for me. Yeah, like, I, I don't I just don't I have not seen any evidence from him that he cares at all beyond how this is affecting him.
1: It's impossible to have compassion or or empathy for those whose narcissism stands in the way of them having compassion or empathy for the very people that they were elected to care for. And that's the position I find myself in with Premier Kenny. I want to the understanding of the pressure that's on him. I really do. But he is not caring about us. You're such you know, a better
3: person than me. You know. I've got no desire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not better. I'm just, you know.
2: He's you know, just, just, just trying rate, real hard. Death rates through the roof. And you know, the day that there were 20 deaths or the days that there were more than 1500 cases, people need to hear from him those days. Or the long-term care facility where, what is it? More than ninety percent of the, the people living there tested positive. I think it was 77, 77 yeah. percent. I thought it was higher. I thought it went higher. Anyway, um, a long-term care facility with vast number of cases, and people want to hear from elected officials then, and they they want to hear from them in you know in a, in a way that's that that suggests that this upsets them. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to be compassionate about someone when there's no. You don't
1: feel upset by those things yeah that and i feel like uh, i feel like we're trapped in the uh the novel slash movie snow piercer where we find out they're just uh feeding the children to the engine to make it run only i really feel as though this government is feeding minimum wage workers and women into the engine to make it run You know, and that that upsets me as much as anything else. That those who already bear the burden of our society and our social construct on a day to day basis, it's been double downloaded onto them, and there is no concern given for the minimum minimum wage workers in restaurants, the cashiers in grocery stores, and the women in daycares education healthcare who are dealing with this day after day every moment of the day and the fact that this government thinks it's okay to download that burden onto women exclusively is it's hard for me to swallow that bitter pill it's hard for me to we're once again being asked to clean up after the men Mm -hmm. And that's always the situation. And we're cleaning up after them right now in a life or death situation. And I'm exhausted by it. I'm emotionally exhausted. And I think we all are. And for him to then not express any compassion, any condolences, any empathy for anyone is, it's frustrating. And it doesn't do a lot to make me feel supportive of him or his government do you remember
2: the the message is that we're all not doing enough right we're we need to be more responsible we need to do more you guys are are failing and 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 people are people are taking a lot on and they they want a leader to 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 get on tv and say i'm you know i'm sorry for this i this affects me Mm -hmm. i did not seem to bother him the day that 20 people died it doesn't bother him
1: it's shocking. It's shocking. You, no it's shocking to me. Like I could not say that number without bursting into tears. There's no way I could hold myself emotionally together. Now that's not to say I want our our premier to stand up there and sob openly, but I want to see some measure of emotion that the man gets what is happening, that this is a real loss of life Albertans are experiencing on a daily basis, and nothing. It is a and, and the loss
2: of life, but also just the terror. That you know, you if you have if you have older relatives or relatives who are immunocompromised, even if you haven't lost them, you've now spent eight months worrying that you're going to. And that is grating on your on your on your nerves to just think that at any point, you know, it would take almost nothing and and, and they'd be gone.
3: And it's... I'm just gonna add for, for my colleagues' sake, I cannot express to you the unreal fear that my people had in march of 2020 i have just never experienced anything like it in my career i have never seen the mental health of doctors so bad there were moments where we were looking at it oh you cut right out (laughs) i can't hear oh there you go sorry but if you remember italy it was horrifying yeah like dead people in the hallways of hospitals because there were and people were dying by themselves because there wasn't even enough healthcare professionals to sit with them while they died in the hallway like this is horrifying stuff yeah and so to be put in that position and all of us thinking oh my god am I gonna have to be you know am I gonna have to put myself into a hospital job when I haven't actually done that in 10 years am I gonna have to do that Holy shit. Am I going to have to do that? We're going to save his fucking ass. Yeah. If the hospital numbers go up next week, as they very well could, we are the people who will save his butt.
1: Yeah. And
3: to to have them have the gall to go on TV and talk about how we're all overpaid and, you know, no big deal. We're just slashing their income by 30 to 50% overnight. Everybody else should... Really support that, and in the pandemic, no problem. Every doctors they make too much anyway, no problem, right? I mm-hmm. mean, all of that put together, I have real hatred for having seen what my people have gone through. It's awful,
0: yeah.
3: Empathy, it doesn't exist,
0: no. And it, if you notice during the November 24th conference, when he was making his announcements, the very first time that I have seen or heard Jason Kenney apologize. He did apologize. He said this government made a mistake. And who did he apologize to? Businesses. Yeah. He apologized to businesses because he said they made a mistake. They shouldn't have shut down in March. And, you know, Jillian, it was actually perfect that that followed what you just said because in March, we had three things to look at. We had China, Italy, and Spain. Those are, those are what we had available. And yeah, everyone was scared. And they weren't scared because it wasn't fear-mongering. It was, this is happening. We don't know how to stop this. And apologizing to businesses... For that time, that lockdown, which basically allowed them to get a little bit of time to try and figure out what to do, how to save people, because that's who elected you, not the businesses. They might have a couple of votes for you, but the rest of this province, that's who elected you.
1: Well, well. And it comes it comes back to what we've we've been saying now for weeks, that we have a government that views capitalism as the cure and the vaccine. The answer yeah. is always capitalism. And unfortunately, that's that's not the case, especially not this time. Say any final thoughts.
2: Oh, we, we did you see how many text messages we got during that? Did you guys get just one from the government?
1: I just got one I think.
2: I the emergency alert kept popping up on mine, maybe cuz I didn't dismiss it. Oh. So if you don't, it's like are you sure you don't want to know? Um, anyway. Oh. <laughs> so no, I see it. Uh
0: it says nope. it's canceled. What? Public Health Strathmore Alberta canceled November 26 at 4:19 p.m.
1: What is happening JC? Can oh, it was just a test it was just a test but it sent you it sent you the new measures it sent you like the link oh my god it's a whole the mandatory measures are in effect so i don't know why it would show up as canceled yeah no it says canceled yeah oh goodness we we can't we can't even we
2: can't even execute 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 that and I'm sure it'll be somebody else's fault. Everything is pushed on us. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, it I mean, always that's is.
2: That's the when you're when you were talking about the healthcare workers, it made me think. I mean, we had talked about him pushing things on to women economically and pushing things on to Dina Hinshaw to, to make bad news notices and he, in, in pushing uh, his bad behavior onto his issues managers to manage. That's the pushing on to that bothers me the most, actually, is putting healthcare professionals in a position where they have to decide who lives and dies. When they have ethical responsibilities to all of their patients, legal responsibilities to all of their patients and emotional responsibilities to all of their or emotional, you know, feelings regarding all of their patients, like to push that on on, to just be another thing that gets pushed on to somebody else. That's, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Dr. Darren, um, is it Mark? Mark? Yeah. He actually addressed that earlier on Twitter and then he addressed it earlier this week on uh, Ryan Jesperson's Mm -hmm. show. And that that is definitely the position that we we've put our frontline workers in who lives and who dies when they've all got the, the same illness. Right. What a make, horrific you position.
2: You can't make people make that decision. It's no. Not right.
1: So anytime this premier starts going off about public servants soaking the public, oh, we're getting soaked. All right but it's not by the doctors or the nurses or the front-light staff who are getting us through this pandemic.